0: Global horizons beckoned, a unipolar world was dawning. At a stroke, and without a shot being fired, our generation was staging the funeral rites for the twin scourges of Western modernity, communism and fascism. As the historian Eric Hobsbawm was to write, the short and genocidal 20th century, which began with the Russian Revolution in 1917, came to an end in 1989. Though still alive, history was smiling. The human species had proved it could learn from its mistakes. It was a good year to turn 21. Nearly three decades later, in the aftermath of Donald Trump's 2016 election victory, I found myself in Moscow. I had been invited to attend a conference on the polycentric world order, which is Russian for post-American world. The conference was hosted by the Primakov Institute, named after the man who had been Russia's foreign minister and prime minister during the 1990s. Yevgeny Primakov was displaced as prime minister in 1999 by Vladimir Putin. While my friends and I had danced on the rubble of the Berlin Wall, a brooding Putin had watched his world crumbling from 130 miles away at his KGB office in Dresden, a city in what was still East Germany. Later he would describe the dissolution of the Soviet Union as the greatest geopolitical tragedy of the 20th century. It was Primakov who championed the term multipolarity in what at the time seemed like a vain bid to dampen America's oceanic post-Cold War triumphalism. Putin picked up the concept and made it his own. As the world's most indispensable power, Americans never warmed to the idea of multipolarity. Such was Washington's self-confidence that it even came to disdain the word multilateralism, As Madeleine Albright, the US Secretary of State in the late 1990s, put it, it has too many syllables and ends with an ism. Now, here I was in Moscow at an event attended by the likes of Alexander Bortnikov, head of the FSB, successor to the KGB, and Vladimir Putin himself. Though unsmiling, it was Russia's turn to celebrate. The Institute had sent me its invitation several months earlier, and I had promptly forgotten about it. On the 9th of November, the morning after the US presidential election, as I tried to make sense of the dawning new reality, I recalled that invitation. By eerie coincidence, it was 27 years to the day since the fall of the Berlin Wall. The worm had turned. America had just elected a president who was a big fan of walls and a big admirer of Vladimir Putin. While Putin was surveying his wrecked world in 1989 and we were racing down the Autobahn, Donald Trump was launching a board game. It was called Trump, the game. With its fake paper money and property-based rules, it bore an uncanny resemblance to Monopoly, except that the number six on the dice was replaced with the letter T. Unsurprisingly, it was a flop. There is no record that Trump said anything positive or negative about the fall of the Berlin Wall. At any rate, all that seemed a long time ago. America had just elected a man who admired the way politics was done in Russia. His campaign had even profited from Moscow's assistance. Would the Russians kindly agree to my belated acceptance? They would indeed. What followed was a crash course in how to see the world very differently. Still a student of history, though I hope by now a more sceptical one, I was struck by how often our Russian hosts referred admiringly to the Congress of Vienna. That was the 1814-15 conference that sealed the end of the Napoleonic Wars and launched almost a century of stability, which held until the outbreak of the First World War. The new order was underwritten by the quadruple alliance of Great Britain, Austria, Prussia and, most importantly, Russia. Trump's victory had opened up the prospect that Russia could return to its historic role as a great power in a polycentric world, one in which each happily forswore doing anything to undermine the internal legitimacy of any other. No more talk of the inevitability of democracy or the US-led global order That was what Putin craved. As for Crimea, which Putin annexed in 2014, inviting a spider's web of US-led sanctions, its absorption back into the motherland was now an irreversible fact. Crimea was only returning to the status it had before 1954, when Moscow, in a fit of administrative generosity, had transferred it to the then Soviet Republic of Ukraine. John Kerry, the US Secretary of State under Obama, had condemned Russia's annexation of Crimea from the now independent Ukraine as a violation of history. You just don't, in the 21st century, behave in 19th century fashion by invading another country.